Hey guys, welcome to episode number 20 of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. And if you've been following along, listening to other episodes, I'd really like to thank you for being a listener and thank you more recently for your patience. You may have noticed that I've not put any content out for the past few weeks. And uh, I, I really, my plan is to put content out regularly. So I apologize for having a gap in the schedule. The spring just got freaking crazy with uh, lots of baseline projects. And uh, on the e-commerce side of things, COVID-19 has really ramped up our e-commerce business and things got a little bit hectic. So I haven't had the time that I have wanted to to record original content. And so uh, through some of these gaps, what I'm going to do is replace some content that we are recording weekly on the baseline side of my business. We do weekly 30-minute live Zoom calls. I have already republished one of those episodes, and so I'd like to start republishing those as well as we record them. So today on the show, we have Dan Conger, who's the National Training Manager for Baseline Controls, Chris Wright, who's the VP of Sales, and Lisa Reenstra, who's a Regional Sales Manager in the Southwest. And we are going to discuss using irrigation equipment, uh, specifically Baseline's 3200 control system to manage and operate non-irrigation related components. Those types of components include lighting controls, door locks, uh, potentially gates, water features, things like that. And I want you to listen closely because you can certainly do this with essentially any irrigation controller, a Hunter Pro-C, Rainbird ESP, et cetera, by using a relay on a station. But there are some specific capabilities of the baseline system that the engineers designed so that it works correctly. One of those things might be not having the lights turn off when the rain sensor trips during a rain event. So listen closely to some of that. I hope you enjoy this episode. And thank you for being a listener of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Is Andy's letting on. We're going to be talking about the base station 3200 and letting it run things other than irrigation. So we know what it can do for irrigation, but let's talk about what it can do other than that. So I'm going to bring up my screen share. Realistically, we're talking about non-irrigation items here. So some three easy things to talk about is lighting. So lighting might be field lighting, like sports stadium type lighting. It might be uh, high voltage path lighting might be, even be low voltage lighting. We could be talking about door locks for bathrooms or gates, anything electronic, or usually they're electromagnetic. It might be water features, so uh, fountains, splash pads, pond aerators, but pretty much anything else that's electrically run. We're not going to actually run it, but we're going to run a program and we can schedule them and essentially manage them through our base station 3200. I'm going to ask Lisa to, to share a little bit of background information about the site we're, we're going to be talking about today. So, so this is a uh, large city park in Arizona. 
that uh, is a 205 acre park with uh, new soccer fields going on on that kind of southwest corner that you see where it's farm fields and more to come after that. Um, but right now what we're kind of discussing is the old conventional system of the existing site. We have, uh, they had less than 400 zones at this site minus the new soccer complex. So we were able to retrofit this site out to with two 3200s and about 11 substations because the previous system had a lot of remote little 16 zone units all the way you know, around the whole site. So we just used our wireless substation and picked up um, items from lighting, door locks, and then irrigation at this site. So it looks like they've got some tennis courts and some ball fields and general park and parking lots and maybe a couple of buildings there. It's pretty There's involved a full-blown rec center on the north yeah. and another tennis court center on the southeast. Lots of playgrounds and play structures as well. Cool. Why was it so important to them or what, why did they want to run the lights and the door locks as opposed to some other method of, of controlling them? That's a good question. Every city is different. Um, this city, the parks department actually does manage lights, door locks. And so it was a already incorporated in the original system, which we were easily able to take over and retrofit out. It definitely streamlines everything. They can um, access lighting and everything with our system remotely where they couldn't with their old system. You know, so it's just been a very convenient system for them to be able to retrofit over to. So then it sounds like some cities, and this makes sense, some cities might have a completely different, somebody else might run the lights, somebody else might do the door locks, but in this case, the parks and rec, or the parks, that's them. They're familiar with the base station 3200 and what it can do. So I could see the, the familiarity being a, a good, really good there. And just fewer, you know, overall fewer control systems to have to operate and manage too. General concepts, that's going to reiterate some of what you just said, is, is some of the why is that we know that our controller is capable of running more than irrigation. So because we can, I guess this may be the short answer. You alluded to this one less control system, right? So it's going to simplify the site management, maybe allow you to upgrade that crusty old intermatic timer down there. The ones that uh, you wish they would die, but they don't. It's amazing how long those things will, will kick. And if you really want to get fancy, you can add two more pins and have two ons and two offs. There's some time savings that's going to come in, right? We don't have to make a trip out to the site to adjust lights or to unlock the bathrooms. There's probably some labor savings and if, if we don't have to roll a truck out there. And the other one that you mentioned was we have remote and mobile access. So you can change programming for, just like irrigation, you can change the programming for your lights or door locks or fountains from your office. But also that phone that you've been using as your irrigation remote now is a lighting remote. So if somebody says, hey, we're having a festival in the park Saturday and the bathrooms are still locked, like, oh, forgot about that. You can do that remotely through your phone and not even have to make a trip out there and, and just make your life a lot simpler. Let's take a, a peek at some of the hardware you would need to do this. And I think one of the integral things here is a low voltage relay to switch that high volt. So let me just define what a relay is and what it does for those that don't aren't familiar with them. A relay is a electromagnetic switch. So it's going to take a low voltage power in, generally 24 volts on the input side, and then switch a higher voltage on the outlet side. So current doesn't actually pass through it. We've got our closed 24 volt system and then a closed 10 or a closed 220. So whatever the voltage is that you're running. So if it's a pump, it might be running 120. It, maybe it's a 220 pump 
or maybe it's a 230 lighting or whatever that is. So to make sure you get the right relay or start messing around with high voltage, this is where a licensed electrician will really help you with it, right? They'll help you figure out the right relay and they'll make sure you can do it and be safe. On the irrigation side, we're very comfortable with low voltage. There's no uh, licensing required for that, but high voltage, right? Let's bring an electrician in for that one. The other thing we're going to need on hardware is if we're running, if you have a conventional wire system with a common and uh, station wire, you're going to need an open terminal on that power bicoder. So you can see I have terminal 11 and terminal 12 are open. Great. We can use that to connect into. And if we're using two wire, we need a available zone bicoder. So here I've got a four zone bicoder. So all I need is the common white and the orange would run to my relay. Now I have the yellow, green, and blue available for other solenoids or for other uh, relays, pardon me, or for irrigation solenoids. So we have options on that, but I need one or the other depending upon the wiring we have out there. Okay, so here um, I've got a, I did a screen recording of our customer's uh, program. So here, we're, I'm just gonna let it run and we'll, we'll see what comes up. So here on program five, you can see it's got runtime. So this is this is the, the lighting program. So we're going to open this one up and take a look at it. They've got it light, named. So park lights, always a good idea to name programs, especially as we get into more and more programs. This is not irrigation. So it's important we, we know what's going on. This has a runtime of 180 minutes or three hours. And here they've used a primary and linked, and it's a way to simplify scheduling and have one zone influence other zones. This starts at 7.30 p.m., runs every single day of the week for that three hours it runs. And then down below, they've excluded it out of the hydraulic concurrency because lights don't demand any flow from the main lines, so we excluded that. And we ignored global condition. So global condition might be a rain switch that would influence the entire system. Well, I don't want a rain switch to influence my lighting. If it, if it rains that night, we still need our lights to run or whatever it is. So it's good to be able to opt those out of this lighting program. I think another good thing too, Dan, is uh, with the water windows on the previous screen, it uh, indicated a weekly water window, meaning that the water window was the same for every day of the week. Running lights and say you have adult kickball on Wednesday nights and you need the lights on just that night over the softball fields rather than the entire park or all the other fields, you could just have that uh, lighting system on its own schedule that can operate and have an open window on just Wednesdays rather than every night of the week. So Beautiful. using Beautiful. Some of the other advanced um, scheduling capabilities of the 3200 can help to accommodate uh, different schedules that you may have for these other devices on the site as well. Excellent point. So that was our lighting program. Let's take a look at the door lock program. So this door lock program, scroll down and find that one. This one is program 20. Now you notice there's a space in between there. It doesn't have to be zone uh, program nine. This is named as well. Runtime is 450 minutes, seven and a half hours this runs. And this starts, what's the start time? Looks like it starts at 10 o'clock or 10.30 every single night of the week. So that probably shuts off, looks like about 6 a.m. by my math. And on this one, they don't need the global conditions. They don't want the rain switch. And the same with the hydraulic concurrency. We've opted out of both of those. 
So very similar to the first one. But what I really wanted to look at was this 450 minutes, right? So this is running for seven and a half hours. So starting at 1030, it energizes the door locks and runs them for seven and a half hours. Now, if you had different hardware, you might need to de-energize them for a certain period of time. So kind of like a normally open valve or a normally closed valve. But what's nice is you have the options of switching this around. So different hardware would mean you'd program it differently, but it's not an issue, right? So what maybe what you needed to do would to start it at 6 a.m. and shut it off at 1030 at night if you had different door locks. So knowing the hardware that you're trying to run is going to determine your program. It's really only just something that you need to know about and then accommodate your program. So Dan, would uh, that be... Um you know, right now we're calling it, we're, we're energizing it to lock the door versus energizing it to unlock the door. So if it was running during the day, you, that might be, you might think of that as being the unlock program because lock is default and energized is unlocking them. Absolutely right. Now, and since none of us really know about door locks, that isn't our, our specialty, maybe all of them are always default in the unlock position, but I don't know that. And maybe we're not talking door locks. Maybe we're talking something else. My important thing is that we could do it either way. And to your point, that, that makes sense. Okay, what do we got next? Summarize some of this one. Some of the things that are unique about Baseline on running these systems is going to be that we have this zone concurrency. So we have many zones that we can run. So we can run up to 99 zones on a, on a base station 30, 215 of those that could be irrigation and everything else could be non-irrigation components up to, up to the limit of the controller. So we don't have a particular limit. So in Lisa's case, she was wanted to run four zones all at once, four of her lighting zones. And that no demand on hydraulics, but um, potential demand on the system. We've got a, a large number we can run on that one. So Dan, if you had, um, just thinking of this site, if you had um, your traditional light tower, if you will, and you had uh, 24 light towers on a site and each light tower had its own control, we could turn on all 24 light towers at the same time. And then still run irrigation as well. And still run irrigation. Right. That's pretty amazing. On this site, if you have your controller and you know six substations and eight of those zones are lights and door locks, it doesn't give you much left for hydraulics, does it? So in this instance, it frees it all up with how that we've controlled, developed, and designed. And, and you just bring up a good point, Lisa, is it's important to recognize that everything we've been talking about has no demand on the hydraulics. So if my capacity is 100 gallons a minute because I have a three-inch mainline, lights or fountains or whatever has no impact on that. So I shouldn't count that in the hydraulics and we allow you to opt out of that. So the global conditions, right? So if we've got a rain switch that's going to influence the controller, that's great for irrigated uh, zones that maybe got some effective rainfall, but effective rainfall has no influence on door locks, has no influence on path lights or stadium lights. So let's opt out of that one. We want to be able to opt out. We've also got 99 different programs that we can use. So if I only had four programs and one of them is taken up with lighting, now that means that maybe I'm mixing my drip and my spray into the same program. Well, I don't want to have to make that compromise. I want to be able to separate them out. And as you found on that program 20 that I did on the door locks, I even give it some space to show that it's not an, uh, an irrigation. Maybe I want to push it further down the page to 
make absolutely sure that no one accidentally programs that for the default 10 minutes that people love to run spray heads for. Right. A lot of the guys will bring it just down to the last, you know, five, 10, you know, zones of a 200 zone system. And the other question, as far as you look at the 99 programs, we, we, we talked about zone concurrency, but as a 3,200 system, Andy, how many total zones can we run at once? All is, you know, designed right. Right. 99 zones, you know. 99 zones. 15 of which can be irrigation. 85 or 84 can be non-irrigation. Yeah, obviously, you're going to have a, an ultimate uh, amp draw uh, limitation, right? But different devices will draw different amperage. So if you do have a system that's large enough in the hydraulics to support 15 zones operating at one time or 15 solenoids, you may not get all 84 other available zones to operate depending on the amp draw of those other devices as well. So there are some limitations, but it's broad enough where you could run up to 99 on one controller or with the wireless options and having it connected to a substation, you know, with each transformer that will give you the ability to optimize and max out that concurrent uh, operation. Excellent. Which is what was used on that site in Arizona, right, Lisa? They've got substations that are just dedicated to lighting or to locks without any irrigation on them. Yep, combination, but yes, yeah. Right. I think you're, what's great is you're jumping to that, the, the one beyond is, is that those wireless options and, and substation is a great way. So as it turns out on your site, Lisa, the, the um, lighting controls were nowhere near uh, the controller. They, they weren't going to run wire across the park to, to be able to run the lighting, the substation. Right. Now, on, on the new portion of the, so, of the soccer fields they're developing, that's a brand new design. So, a whole new 3200 is going in over there, and it's all two-wire, and the restrooms and all that you know, will be run off that same two-wire path, same controller, but that's easy because we started from dirt. Whereas existing, you saw that site, lots of roadways and this and that. Yeah. So yeah, they had to use the wireless substations. Yeah. Okay, so we've got it. We've got a couple of questions that have popped up, and let's just clarify real quick. Uh, one question was how how do we interface the controller with the locks? So again, using that uh, relay switch interfacing with the electromagnetic door locks, right? Just explain again that uh, that interface and how it works. Right. The way, a, the way a bathroom door lock, electromagnetic door lock would be, or, or depending upon the style, typically there's two magnetic faces that are going to meet together and they're going to be stuck together until they're energized or de-energized and allow them to separate, right? So the door closes and now we can't pull them apart. That's something that you would purchase from... Uh, a builder supply or wherever you get, right? And then there's going to be some sort of a transformer that's going to energize that. That's part of the system. And then to turn that off and on, there are lighting or door lock control systems. But what we're talking about is using a relay to energize their system or de-energize their system and then connecting that relay into the base station 3200 to allow, instead of a whole separate programming scenario, we now have programming within the base manager or the base station 3200, which hopefully you're familiar with. Um, what about troubleshooting capabilities and reporting of issues associated with lighting or door locks, et cetera? 
That's a good question. I mean, um, we're just basically on off. It's not like we're um, really doing any other type of event for, you know, for troubleshooting like we can on the irrigation side. So Chris, do you know of anything else that they can do? Well, thinking of the, uh, uh, the way our two-wire works, um, diagnostics associated with it, if a device is not responding, then it would send us an alert or an alarm uh, for us to address. And then if there is a, an open or a short associated with that device, we'd be notified of that as well. So it would uh, um, report instances as if it were uh, irrigation related yeah. in the same terminology, but we would be able to uh, analyze and be alerted of the electrical issues that may be associated with communicating to those devices. Yeah, with those relays, essentially we would know if that relay has shorted, if it's got an open directly at that relay. Yeah, to that, to that point, you would get the information up to the relay and say that the relay reacted or didn't react. But beyond that, the other half of the relay, if the door locks opened or didn't open, that's a whole different, um, that you wouldn't be able to get to see that information. Another great use of the base station 3200. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I'll maybe just uh, add a couple quick points of summary because you, you could, in theory, do some of what we're talking about with any old irrigation controller. Yeah. And uh, over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, requests have come into baseline for this. And so our engineers thought about what it would take to do it better and or do it right. And so some of the things that Dan listed on that last slide, you know, sort of make it, um, make it work with baseline. Again, I just want to make sure that everybody remembers that disobeying those global commands is key because you don't want the rain sensor to accidentally turn off your lights. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, nobody uses the bathroom last night because it rained. You know, so disobeying those global commands is a is big time as well as the zone concurrency. You need those lights to come on regardless of how many zones are watering based on the hydraulic capacity of your system because it has nothing to do with the lights or the door locks. And so we need to be able to separate those components from irrigation type devices and uh, just wanted to make sure everybody realized that this isn't just making an irrigation controller work for other components, but it was designed to do this in this way, not just piece together that we happen to make it work. It's really designed to do it. Come in, that's uh, kind of a segue from Brian Young in using the decoders. Would one uh, use a regular 5201 decoder or would we use an event bicoder or a coach's button before the Oh my gosh, he's amazing. <laughs> that was like this little soft Segway. pitch, right? I know, perfect. I told you. <laughs> this is great. I love it. We were just saying, hey, we need a teaser on this one. So um, you'd be using a standard zone bicoder for what we're talking about. But everything we talked about today was on a scheduled timed program. So what if we wanted to, to do on demand, right? So if we wanted to turn on those door lights or, or excuse me, the, let's say the tennis court lights, we want the tennis court lights to come on only when someone is there on demand. Okay. So then we're talking an event by coder, right? So now we're talking, this is a coach's button, which is an event by coder and a switch, or we could have just the event by coder and your own switch, depending upon what you're trying to do with this, we could have this by the tennis courts 
press the button, it sends a signal to the base station 3200 and it activates the program, which would then activate the relay and turn on the lights for the period of time that you programmed. I think this is a teaser because there's a lot you can do with the vent bicoders and what we call start-stop-pause conditions. For me, start-stop-pause conditions was my mind blown when I first started learning baseline. I, sat, I remember sitting in a training and Chris started talking about, oh, what can't you do? So I want to do a whole nother webinar on start-stop-pause and event bicoders because there's a lot. Right. It does not have to do with time. <laughs> yeah. Start time. Yeah. That's right. On demand. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you all. It's, all right. uh, it's bottom of the hour. So uh, our 30 minutes is up and we appreciate you participating. We'll see you all next week. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye, Bye now. Thanks. Bye.